Kaka, time to end this. Goon, 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 time to fail this. Jump, 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 I'm the ultimate failure. I'll never stop, no matter what the world may say. My ultra failure will fuel me and guide the way. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of You Have Failed with me, Sam Vader, where this week we will be discussing Dragon Ball Super, as I'm sure you worked out from the beautiful rendition of Ultimate Battle there. Just to suppose a bit of housekeeping first, I hope everyone is okay in these times of isolation and lockdown, with obviously in the UK things set to ease up with the really confusing speech given out by Boris Johnson. <coughs> we don't really know what's going on at the moment. But other than that, I hope everyone has had a really good week. Mine has been spent uh, still not getting over the end of the Clone Wars. Uh, yeah. And uh, listening to a lot of Six still. But also this week, I've been watching a lot of Dragon Ball Super, purely because those clips have been coming up in my feed on YouTube, and I've just been continuously watching them, uh, even though I do prefer Z. Uh, but Z will get its own sort of special episode at a later point. But for now, we'll focus on on Dragon Ball Super, and I think the first point I'd like to cover is sub versus dub. Now, you know me from previous things where I spoke about Yu-Gi-Oh, I prefer the dub, because they're the voices I grew up with, so with Yu-Gi-Oh, obviously, all that stuff. With Dragon Ball, obviously, it was Dragon Ball Z, but I grew up with the English Funimation dub of um, Dragon Ball. So you have, like, Sean Shelmore as Goku, Chris Abbott as Vegeta. They're the voices I know. So when I first started watching <coughs> Dragon Ball Super... It was all of a shock at first to have to watch it subs, not because I couldn't couldn't read uh, the subtitles and watch the action at the same time, but just because the different voices, it, it took a while to get used to. But I did indeed watch the Japanese purely because I was impatient and I wanted to see what happened and didn't want any spoilers because I follow obviously a lot of pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and the likes that would have posted spoilers. So I watched it subbed and slowly I, I grew, to, grew to appreciate the voices and it was good and... I enjoyed it, <coughs> but when dub started coming out, whilst continuous, continuing to... What the fuck was that? Sorry, sorry, just brushed past my leg, and might have been a ghost, might have not. You might not hear from me next week, I might be have been killed by a spectre. Not that I believe in that stuff. Anyway, <clears throat> as I was saying, so yeah, I, I started to then watch the dub as it was being released, alongside the sub, which obviously it was a few arcs behind. I think by the time we got to the dub being released, was we already in the Tournament of Power? For subbed, I don't really remember. Um, and then, so I finished watching the series, obviously subbed, and then we got to the Tournament of Power in English dub. And this is where, yeah, it really put me off off English dubbing for, for Dragon Ball. And I actually refused to watch the Tournament of Power after episode 110 dubbed of uh, Dragon Ball Super. Because the voices are fine, it was cool, finally getting to see Goku versus Jiren, but with the Goku voice that I knew as a child... And then that monstrosity of a song came on to just started blaring the ultra. So see Goku goes ultra instinct and it's so cool. Like to any Dragon Ball fan who's invested in it like I am and has read the manga and my calendar I've actually got for this uh, year, 2020 year, is actually a Dragon Ball Super one. So I am big into Dragon Ball. I've got a few things around my room. Like I do love my Dragon Ball. And... So Goku going Ultra Instinct is is a big moment, you know, it's a big thing and culmination. <clears throat> and uh, and they ruin the song. Because obviously in the Japanese you get the version of Ultimate Battle, which is obviously the song that played, I, I 
did my own rendition of at the start of this episode. Uh, where it's like, ka, 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 chitaze, gung, 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 wanuki, jan, jan, bian, bian, uku, no, no, bato. And it's, oh, it's so good, right? And that song really gets you fired up. It's a really good song. Like, it just oozes the tension and. You know, it's called Ultimate Battle for a reason, because this is the ultimate clash between the titans of Universe 7 and Universe 11 in the Universal Survival arc. Like, we know from this battle that these are going to be the two that are deciding which universe wins this this tournament and which universe isn't erased, right? It's a big culmination moment. And instead, in the dub we get something that does not sum up the stakes whatsoever. So, obviously, even in the Japanese, obviously, the subtitles are just of the talking of the characters. I don't know the direct translation for for the song, but it, it's ampy and it's nice. And actually, I remember I did read the translation, and it's all about, you know, having this ultimate stake battle, you know, like, for the fate of the universe. And, and the English dubs is... This is genuinely... the <laughs> Go, 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 go the distance. Fight, 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 never give in. In the ultimate battle. No, it's in the ultimate battle, just for fun. And um, <laughs> if I could actually get away with playing the sound clip, I would, but I don't want to infringe any copyright on whatever shit stains at Funimation decided that was a good idea. But genuinely... <laughs> This the tone doesn't sound right for one, like the way the way he sings it. And I do implore anyone who's listening to this to either pause this and go onto YouTube or to after watching this, go and watching, after listening to this, go and listen to the contrast of the original Ultimate Battle in Japanese and then the English dubbed official version of the song. Because I said but it's the the contrast in tones is jarring enough, but then it's the words. Obviously with the English one I can actually listen to it and understand what they're saying without having to look up translations afterwards, being an English speaker myself. But it's the bit where they go, in the ultimate battle, just for fun. And, and that's the bit that really takes me out of the immersion. Because I know that, obviously, I'm sort of taking for granted that listening to this, you you understand Dragon Ball Super. But I'll give a bit of context now for if you don't. At this point, this is sort of the final arc of Dragon Ball Super. It's in the Universal Survival Arc, or the Tournament of Power, where you've got... Oh, what was it? Seven? No, twelve. Well, there's twelve universes. Yeah, I think you. You know, it was. I think it was seven out of the twelve universes. Basically, in the Dragon Ball universe, there are twelve universes. Uh, seven out of the twelve are put in this survival tournament, and if all of your fighters are knocked out of the tournament, it's basically a ba big battle royale. If all ten of your fighters are knocked out, your universe is erased from existence. Everyone gone, not even dead, just erased permanently from existence by, like, the god of the multiverse, right? Who's actually a child. And <laughs> I do love that Dragon Ball humour in the fact that this super powerful god of the universe that we've, like, just just by clutching his fist can wipe out a whole universe is literally a child. I love that. Zeno is amazing. But that's, that's not what I'm talking about right now. Right now I'm talking about the fact that, you know, so this is, like, a big stakes tournament. Like, if you lose everything's gone you your whole universe your friends family you just never existed right and so it's at that point i put the argument to you that in this climactic clash was not climactic this is 110 like but this song is played during the climax as well where goku and jiren and frieza have like the final 
tussle to see who wins. But in this, what is sort of the culmination of the first part of the tournament of power arc, Goku's first face-off with Jiren, Jiren being the strongest being in the entire multiverse other than Zeno himself, and Goku being probably the second strongest being in the entire multiverse. No, because the gods are still stronger at this point, which is when he gets Ultra Instinct to actually surpasses the gods, but that's not... The point is, it's it's the ultimate battle, as the title suggests. It's the ultimate combatants fighting for the fate of their universe. Like, you know, it's everything on the line. So the fact that the lyrics go, in the ultimate battle, just for fun, it really, really removed the immersion from me that I was watching this high-stakes tournament. Because I'm sitting there thinking, oh, if it's just for fun, who cares? But you know as a viewer that it's not for fun. This is the biggest the stakes have ever been. Like, probably in any anime ever. I, I don't watch many other anime, correct me if I'm wrong. But for the most part, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, if the whole universe is at stake, why is that just for fun? And it was that that really, after that, I didn't, I have not watched, I did not watch the rest of uh, the Dragon Ball Super English dub. The only other bit I did watch was when the final episode was released. I wanted to see how they handled the final, the final battle, which was Goku, Freezer and 17 versus Jiren. Um... And obviously, I knew that I was going to be a bit jarred because the Ultimate Battle theme would be playing, the English version. Although, I was secretly hoping that they were going to impost after seeing all the feedback of people not liking it in previous episodes where they used this rubbish English version. They might have actually snuck in the Japanese or just an instrumental version. Because there were other instrumental versions in both the Japanese and the English that obviously were kept in the same place. So I was wondering if they would have changed that based on feedback. Uh, they didn't. And... Oh, and the writing was just a bit weird as well. Like, it was nice hearing, you know, the the voices that I knew for Goku and Frieza and everything. But then the one bit that really jars me is a bit where Goku and Frieza are basically going after Jiren. And Frieza's like, throw me. I think in the Japanese, he goes, throw me at him. And in, in the English dub, I actually quite like the wording of it. The way he sort of abrasively goes, throw me, Saiyan. I'm like, that's... You know, have to get in a bit of sort of monkey shaming one last time, Freezer. But that's his character. He doesn't like sayings and he's going to have a little dig. But it's the bit afterwards where when Goku throws him in the dub, he just does a little one, yeah, you know. But <laughs> in the sub, sorry, in the dub, and this is where I feel like the stakes are taken away again with a silly joke. Like Dragon Ball has humour. Part of the whole series from Dragon Ball to Dragon Ball Z to Dragon Ball Super and Dragon Ball GT is humour. It's got to be in the right place. So the idea that the god of everything, the king of everything, is a child, that's the kind of humour that I appreciate in Dragon Ball. What I don't appreciate is Goku, in a high stakes, fate of the universe thing, throwing Frieza like a volleyball and then going, alley-oop! I'm like, hmm. It just, I just think part of it, it just takes you out of, I think... The experience and that's why if I were to recommend Dragon Ball Super to anyone I'd recommend the English sub so have the Japanese voices but English subtitles if you want to watch the dub that's fine on you maybe the reason I don't like those changes is because I listened to the Japanese first and actually connected more with that song and I don't know if that's just me getting older as well but at the same time I'd much happily sit and watch the English dub of Dragon Ball Z over the Japanese dub of Dragon Ball Z. So, but maybe that's a nostalgia thing. I don't know. And that might be discussed when I eventually get around to the Dragon Ball Z episode. Hopefully I'll have uh, a friend of mine 
to have a discussion with properly on that one. But I do, at the same time, I do genuine, genuinely implore that people go out there and watch Dragon Ball Super. Even, I suppose, if you haven't watched Dragon Ball Z, because you don't need to know. And they do a little run back of Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball um, at the start of Super anyway. Um, but let's get on to more, rather than just judging the dub versus the sub, actually talking about the series itself. Now, the series got off to a very rocky start, I'd say, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinions. Because you'd watch it, and the first two arcs of the show were based on previously released films. So they adapted the Battle of Gods film into the first arc, and the Resurrection F film into the second arc. Which is fine, okay, I get that, you know, they were sort of setting up something anyway, so you're just going to go over it, retread it, so that people haven't seen the films and are just watching the series know the story, because they are what happened in those films are key parts of what happens in Super later. So I get that. That's fine. Retread it. But the problem is, at that point, the animators are incredibly rushed. So there are episodes where the animation is dog shit, quite frankly. Don't get me wrong, when they brought it out to English dub, and I know I've recommended the sub over the dub here, but when they brought it up to English dub, they did clean it up a little bit. But at the same time, the animation in some of the earlier episodes is horrific. Um... So, actually, to be fair, if I was recommending watching Dragon Ball Super, I'd say, before you do that, watch Dragon Ball Z Battle of Gods, watch Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F, then go in and watch Dragon Ball Super <coughs> from pretty much the third arc onwards, which is the uh, Universe 6 versus Universe 7 arc uh, with that tournament. Because that's the thing, from that arc onwards, it does get good. There are still moments of animation blunder but for the most part the animation really cleans itself up after that in fact there are a few scenes in the tournament of power uh, especially episode 130 where you've got goku versus jiren where genuinely <coughs> i'd say it's some of the best if not the best anime animation i have ever seen and i know that's going to be very controversial i know there are other anime fans out there who have probably watched a lot more anime than me uh but just some of the animation in the Goku versus Jiren fight in episode 130 is just stunning, breathtaking and beautiful. And it really shows how <clears throat> when they eventually put time back into it, that series became amazing once again. And and I think obviously they took it lazily during uh, the first two arcs because they were just retreading <clears throat> information from films. Yes, they added in other bits, like new little plot points, but nothing... Nothing really major in the first two arcs. And I think it does let the series down as a whole. <clears throat> but then, as I say, you get the uh, the third arc, the uh, Universe 6 versus Universe 7 arc, where you're introduced to Shumper and other key characters like Hit and Kabe and Frost. Now, Hit is a cool character, but obviously we don't... His personality is more distant, but he's one of those characters who you don't need to know much about and doesn't need to be a very talkative guy but can still be an interesting character Kabe let's get onto Frost Frost is just Freezer 2.0 uh, it's inferior Freezer but for what he lacks there he really makes up for later on in the tournament of power when he has interactions with Freezer himself and uh, Freezer shows him what it's like to be a real villain by uh, completely annihilating the kid, basically showing that Frieza is, of course, superior, as he always is. In case you can't tell, Frieza is one of my favourite Dragon Ball characters of all time. Uh, but 
I'm about to talk about my favourite Dragon Ball character of all time because we're about to talk about Kabe and how he has made one of the most interesting new additions to Dragon Ball because of his relationship with Vegeta. Now, Vegeta has always been my favourite character in Dragon Ball. As I say, Freezer's up there. Goku Black, who I will talk about in a bit, is also up there. But Vegeta, Prince of all Saiyans, you can't beat him as far as I'm concerned. He is the dog's bollocks when it comes to Dragon Ball. Goku's great. And all the rest are great. But Vegeta, I think, has the best character development in the series, right? And I'm not saying that other characters don't, because a lot of people say Goku doesn't have character development. But that's because his character arc is a flat character arc, meaning that he doesn't change because of the events around him. It is him that is the solid point that people change around him. He is the driving force of the story. He's not the kind of protagonist that reacts to the story. He is the character that drives the story, the main character that drives the story, and other people grow around him rather than him growing around the events. So he's a good character in his own right, but Vegeta, my God, Vegeta, going from the murderous prince of genocide, you know, to, to family man. And I'm not going to go too much into the arc in Z too much because... That will be in the Dragon Ball Z discussion. But in Dragon Ball Super, you see that again, as he almost takes on Kabe as as his pupil, because he sees another Saiyan from another universe. Bear in mind, obviously, Vegeta and Goku are the last two Saiyans left in their universe, because their planet was blown up by Frieza. Um, so when he meets another Saiyan for the first time, you can see almost an excitement on his face. And, and he takes this young Saiyan under his wing, because... He sees it as a chance to reconnect with his race. He was the prince of Saiyans and he lost his race. <clears throat> and the way he sort of tutors Kabe, but in his own Vegeta way where he's not nice about it and he will be a bit harsh and brute force because he's Vegeta. But in later on in the Tournament of Power arc, you see <clears throat> after Kabe had been erased, but Vegeta promised to win the tournament and use his wish to bring back all the other universes, to bring back Kabe, so Kabe can keep his promise to take Vegeta to his home planet, so Vegeta can meet this whole other planet of Saiyans. Bear in mind, he lost his entire race. Just, I think he'd love, he genuinely wants to go and meet all these people. Because Kabe, weirdly enough, and this strikes something in Vegeta, says Vegeta reminds him of the king of his planet which, as Vegeta was destined to become the king himself, that strikes something, and he is interested to meet it. So in his promise to Kabe, you see him constantly during the Tournament of Power, when he's struggling and he needs more power, he flashes to Kabe going, my promise, I need to keep my promise, and that is what drives him forward. But not just that, you see him, you know, have visions of his wife, Bulma, of his kids, Trunks, his newborn daughter, Bulla, and in fact, it's her birth is one of the most comical but touching scenes for him in the fact that he he acts all distant and vegetary, cross-armed, not looking, paying attention. But the minute that baby starts crying, like, he turns into Super Saiyan Blue and, like, the whole place sort of just starts shaking because he's like, no, no one who's making my baby cry. And the way he holds her and looks at her, and you can tell that he's really come a long way and has become this caring family man, even though he still hides it behind his cool and collected personality. You know, Mr. I am Vegeta, Prince of all Saiyans. But really, he cares, and you can see that through when he eventually gets knocked out during the Tournament of Power. He basically cry. He, he, he starts crying because he can't keep his promise to Kabe, and he, 
he failed to protect his wife and child. And as he gives what's left of his energy to Goku before he's completely knocked off, he's like, Goku, like Kakarot, you know, I've given you my pride, my promise, my everything. Don't let me down. I gave everything for this. I, I, I literally sacrificed myself. So you had time to recuperate. Like, don't, don't botch this up for me. And it's moments like that. But even, oh, sorry, I'm going to talk about Vegeta a lot, but I love him. There is another moment of brilliant character where he's standing in the stands and back when Goku's fighting Jiren, but he hasn't completed Ultra Instinct yet. And uh, Belmod, the god of Universe 11, is like, ha, see, Goku's not going to win. He hasn't even completed the Ultra Instinct. So Vegeta goes, ah, so there's a level above it then. And Belmod's like, yeah, but he won't achieve it in this little amount of time. And Vegeta's like, what do you mean? You've seen time after time us Saiyans prove ourselves time after time in this short 45-minute tournament. We have constantly broken through our limits. Like every single Saiyan who's in the tournament from any universe. You seriously going to rule out Kakarot now? And then he gives another speech like, Kakarot, I've given you the pride of our race. I've given you my promise. Break through the limit. Trespass into the land of the gods and defeat Jiren Kakarot. And it's moments like that that really just... They stand out to me because they really show him as as a character that has grown so much from the arrogant prince that we met all the way back in Dragon Ball Z with the it's over 9,000 to this man who, who cares about other people more than he cares about himself. And you compare that to, now we get onto him, the character arc of, of Frieza himself, who, if anything, has become more of an arsehole with age. And... He has a fairly flat character arc like Goku, where he doesn't react to things around him. He <clears throat> he doesn't really change. He's as evil as he was the day we met him. But that surface level, underneath, you can see he has changed slightly. He has gained ever so slightly more respect to Goku. For Goku, sorry. To the point where he's willing to work with him in the final moments. Because the whole time, Frieza was willing to... He wanted to win the tournament to get the Dragon Balls to basically make himself the ultimate god and basically get rid of everyone else. But in the final moments, he's willing to actually sacrifice that and himself just for the universe's survival. Yes, you obviously make the argument that he's doing it. It's for his own survival as well. He knows if their universe loses, he's gone. But at the same time, he's willing to put his differences aside and actually work with Goku and Most. He says he'll never make up with Goku and he'll never like him properly. You can see there's the mutual respect there, that they do have some sort of connection now and that Goku, like he does with everyone he meets, has changed him in some subtle ways to the point where Frieza, even himself, isn't... He's still horrible, but he's nowhere near really what he was underneath anymore. He has that respect. Yes, don't get me wrong. At the turn of a dime, he'd kill Goku. And he's seen committing genocides after this point. But that doesn't change the fact that there's a small, small part of him that has changed ever so slightly to give him more respect for Goku and the rest of the Z fighters. <clears throat> but that's more of a character analysis. We'll get more to discussing the show itself now. <clears throat> because you get onto the fourth arc, which is the uh, Future Trunks arc. Future Trunks comes back, which is brilliant, and you get my favourite antagonist of Dragon Ball Super, which is Goku Black. <clears throat> yes, the idea of an evil Goku isn't very inspired, but the execution, I think, is perfect in the way he talks and his mannerisms and 
just his flat out plan to wipe out humanity and his negative character arc as he ends up becoming the monster he sought to destroy is perfectly written really as he you know he wants to become this divine beautiful thing above all mortals because he is a god <clears throat> above all mortals and wipe out mortals because he thinks they're brutish and disgusting and they just fight and cause violence but he becomes that very thing in the end and that is sort of his undoing and it's a good arc, really, because Vegeta gets standout moments, Goku gets standout moments, Future Trunks get standout moments, Goku Black is the standout, other than Vegeta. But oh, it's the ending of the arc that lets it down. The whole sort of get out of jail free button as Zamasu becomes sort of immortal and floods the entire universe and he's about to tear it into darkness. And and they just pull out Zeno and Zeno just wipes out that timeline just like that. Like the god of everything, the king of all just goes and everything's gone. And it's just such a cop-out ending for such a unique arc. And I think it shows that at that point, the writers... I know Akira Toriyama had help in it. I don't know how much direct influence he had at this point. It just shows the writers sort of didn't know how to end the arc. And it really is a shame because the arc itself is absolutely fantastic, really. And to end it on such a sour note really that it, it doesn't really get a proper satisfying conclusion because uh, you get all the amazing bits you know Vegeta finally overpowering Goku Black and it's quite satisfying to see Vegeta finally be at least a form of Goku right <clears throat> but then it just and then you get the ultimate fuse Zamasu which is Goku Black and Zamasu fused together versus Vegito obviously the Patara fusion of Goku and Vegeta and him achieving Super Saiyan Blue and that fight is absolutely amazing. <clears throat> but then you just get such a cop-out ending. And it really is, really is disappointing. But then you get into the Tournament of Power. And that is when you get the best fights, I think, in the series. Of Dragon Ball Super, anyway. Um, I'm not going to compare them to Dragon Ball Z just yet. Because I haven't had time to think about that. And there are different factors coming into that. But you get, you know, all the subtle ones. So, like, Goku Vegeta versus Universe 9... The Warriors of Universe 7 versus the um, Universe... Is it? No, Universe 2 is the annoying beauty ones, isn't it? Yeah, they're annoying. The robot people I'm thinking of. <clears throat> that was a cool moment where they all sort of team up. <clears throat> but obviously the main ones are when you get Universe 7 clashing with Universe 11. So you've got Goku versus Jiren for the first time. Uh, but then you've got all the later ones, like Goku and Vegeta both versus Jiren. Oh my god, the scene where they power up and Goku goes Super Saiyan Blue Kaioken, but... Vegeta thinking about his promise to Kabe and his promise to his wife, his newborn daughter and his son unlocks a new power within himself and unlocks sort of the Super Saiyan Blue Evolution or the Royal Blue Evolution, depending on how you want to call it. And he unlocks this new power on his own. It's an amazing scene as he does that. And then the fight afterwards where Goku and Vegeta basically go with everything they've got at Jiren and they finally start pushing him back. It's a really satisfying moment as the viewer to see that they are starting to push him back. But then you don't forget the comedy in the scene either. <coughs> Sorry, if I sound stuck in my throat. Where, you know, they, <clears throat> the people in the stands who are watching, obviously the fighters have been knocked out and the angel and the god of each universe... And they're all, the Universe 7s are discussing it, like, oh, wow, they're actually starting to push Jiren back. You know, they're actually working together. And then Whis, the angel of Universe 7, comes out and goes, well, actually, Vegeta and Goku aren't actually capable of pulling off a properly coordinated assault. 
but that's actually what's throwing Jiren off. And it's sort of subtle moments of comedy like that that are Dragon Ball gold. He's basically saying that the two of them are that incapable of working together that it's actually that that's putting Jiren off. It's the fact that Goku and Vegeta are that incompatible as people because they just clash because they're both Saiyans, they've both got pride and they'd both rather fight on their own. They're literally that used to fighting on their own and haven't trained together to, or to fight together at all. That they're that incompatible that they're actually doing a good job. And it's weird bits like that that make me laugh anyway. Because I'm sitting there thinking, wow, the two of them are literally that bad at working together. That they're good at working together. It's it's a weird, insane dynamic. And then, of course, you get the final showdown between in one episode 130. Between Go Mastered Ultra Instinct Goku and Jiren at full power. Where, as I say, the animation is absolutely beautiful. I'd, I'd sometimes... I remember I'd just... I had to just to prove to someone how good it looked I had to find some of the stills online and some of the shots where it's just oh absolutely it's just beautifully done and then even the final uh fight between Goku and Frieza and and Jiren with 17 backing up in the background with a few key blasts that final that's oh the shot where say Frieza's tried to take Jiren off after being alooped at him and sort of crap but rather than taking him off the, the the tournament stage which would knock them both out he accidentally falls onto a bit of um the stage that had fallen off <coughs> um into the void of space and they land on that so they're not disqualified and Jiren basically starts pummeling into Frieza because Frieza is obviously greatly overpowered but then you just see a Goku flying in and Oh, this is something you need to watch as well, I think. Like, if you can have a chance, just watch Goku and Frieza versus Jiren. As Goku just comes flying in. And he's that drained from 45 minutes of straight fighting that he's struggling to muster the strength to go Super Saiyan. And his hair is flicking it, flickering in and out of the black to gold of trying to go Super Saiyan. As he comes in, starts screaming with all his might, trying to muster up all the strength he's got collides with Jiren and him and Frieza just push their auras expanding as you see Jiren being constantly pushed back by the two's effort to win and then finally as they get him to the edge you have that scene of Jiren going so this is trust universe 7's power as you get that beautiful shot of Goku and Frieza just giving one last push as they both scream with all their might Goku finally achieves Super Saiyan pushing through everything actually managing to pull it off with his last bit of stamina Freezer mustering all the energy he's got as they finally take him off the ring it's honestly a beautiful shot and a beautiful moment honestly I implore anyone if you're not going to watch Dragon Ball Super just so you can understand the visuals that I'm talking about now Genuinely, go onto YouTube or something and just watch Goku versus Jiren. No, Goku and Freezer versus Jiren. Dragon Ball Super. Just that final shot of them giving everything they've got. Just, just trying everything in a desperate attempt. Because in the background, you've got Beerus, the god of Universe 7, going, Goku, Freezer! And then the rest of their friends, well, friends, Goku's friends, Freezer's teammates, all in the stands going, do it! Like cheering them on, like, come on, you can do it, we believe in you. And then finally taking him off. It's honestly, it's a it was a beautiful thing to watch and just such oh, it got you so hyped up. Only and you know, and oh it was perfect. I'm I'm stuttering because I don't know what oh, I'm just so excited thinking about it. I'm gonna go and watch that scene when I'm done recording this. I don't care if it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm watching that after this. And oh, 
And that final episode was good as well because it did leave it open-ended where you've got the final scene of nostalgia baiting, really, where you've got Goku and Vegeta currently in their Super Saiyan Blue states, but where they had their original fight all the way back in Z, doing their original poses. Obviously, to a non-Dragon Ball fan, that doesn't mean much, but to someone who's loved the series for as long as I have, seeing them back in that original setting where they had their fight as enemies, where Vegeta was trying to destroy the planet and Goku was trying to save it from him, seeing them back there doing the pose they doing their fighting stances they did before they started that fight. It, it's really nostalgic and I love that. And then the bit as you see that final shot as them just about to clash and the screen freezes with the narrator going, you know, the, the story of the dragon is not over. And, you know, until then, a brief parting. And it's it's really good. And I really hope that... I know the manga has continued and I am reading that. But I really hope they bring the series back to continue along with the manga as well so we, we get some more Dragon Ball Super goodness on the screen as well as just on the pages. Um, but before we go to the final judgment, I will... Well, I presume this will be the last point I bring up. Mention one thing I did did dislike about the series. And it is related to Goku. And I think the problem is... They made him too stupid in this series. Goku was never the brightest bulb, even back in Z or Dragon Ball. He was always the outsider, the bit, because he was brought up in the mountains on his own pretty much, and he didn't really understand nor pardon me, normal life. However, he was never flat out dumb. But Super goes out of its way to take a lot of its humour from, oh, look, Goku's really stupid. And I didn't like that characterization of him because, yeah, he was never the brightest bulb in the shed and he was always more battle obsessed than he was focused on anything else. You know, I know there's all this stuff saying he's a bad dad. I don't think he was that much of a bad dad. However, he was just obsessed with fighting. But then that can be brought down to the fact that he's a Saiyan. That's in his biology. They're literally a race born to fight, like from birth. Like babies are sent to conquer planets in their race. So... They're a, they're a warrior species. But I just don't like the characterization of, oh, look, Goku's stupid. Because he's not. Yes, he's dim. But he's not a retard. And I think Super sometimes made him a bit too stupid. Like the line that always really annoyed me was the bit where he sees Trunks and my kiss. And he's like, well, what are you doing? And it's implied that he's never seen a kiss before and he's never had a kiss, which I find incredibly hard to believe. Because he's married and has two children, right? I th <laughs> So the implication that he's married and has two kids. And Vegeta even says it. He's like, but you're married and have two children. And Goku's like, yeah, so I don't get what you're on about. And he shouldn't be that stupid. He must have kissed his wife because he does love his wife. You know, he's got two kids with her. He's married and he does love her and he loves his kids. So the, the implication that the man has never kissed before or never had a kiss, yet has children. It just makes him far more stupid than he needs to be. And then the other problem is where in an attempt to make it different from Vegeta, because Vegeta's definitely a very uptight person, chip on his shoulder, not very relaxed. Whereas they made Vegeta, Goku too overconfident. Well, Vegeta's overconfident as well. But they made Goku too overconfident and therefore too relaxed. And they that was a big part in the Resurrection F arc and film where... His biggest flaw was being too overconfident, leaving himself too wide open and relaxed, which I know was all just a way to 
I suppose, feed into Ultra Instinct where, you know, you can be in a relaxed state and react without thinking. That was all a big feed into Ultra Instinct, which was, as I say, it's this ultimate power where your body just reacts without you thinking, giving your strikes more precision, more speed, the ability to block faster, yeah, yeah, whatever. But you don't need to ruin Goku to do that. You could have given him that power up anyway, because the way Dragon Ball works, and this is where my salty Vegeta fanboy is going to come in, is, oh, look, there's a problem. Let's give Goku a new power up to solve it. I saw a meme the other day, and this does something. It was like, uh, this single line sums up all of Dragon Ball. And it's like, somehow Goku managed to overcome the amazing uh, gap in power in no time at all. And I'm like, well, yeah, that does sum up the entirety of Dragon Ball but that's just what the fans have come to expect Goku will get a new power on transformation and somehow manage to win there's nothing wrong with that except for the fact I'd like Vegeta to get a win once in a while against a main villain because he actually works for it come on Vegeta you're better than this you're better than Goku and especially in Super because they actually give Vegeta character Vegeta gets a character arc that's continued from Z very well, but developed upon, he becomes developed upon, and he becomes an even greater character by the end. And whilst Goku is still as lovable as ever, it does it sort of takes away from it that they just make him too fucking stupid. And I don't like that. He was never... Oh, I don't know how to word it, because, yes, he is thick, and... He doesn't always understand normal social things like we would. Like, he doesn't get why he needs to phone his friends all the time. He doesn't get why he needs to have a job. That's fine, because he was brought up in the mountains on his own with his granddad, who he may or may not have accidentally killed and not known about it. But that's we'll get into that another point, the tragic backstory of Goku. But... He was, and Super goes out of his way to go, oh, look, Goku's really, really stupid. And I don't like that. And uh, I suppose that's going to bring me into, into my final judgments about, about Dragon Ball Super and whether, whether or not I personally think it has failed. Uh, if you've picked up on the clues throughout the episode, I have been telling you to watch it, to listen to the music, and especially to watch that final fight between Goku, Vegeta... Not Vegeta, sorry. I can't get him off my mind. Goku, Frieza and Jiren. Which means, of course, in my honest opinion, I do not think Dragon Ball Super failed, right? I think it's a brilliant series and it is really fun and enjoyable. It has its faults, which I have highlighted a few of. Uh, probably most of them I've actually highlighted, at least in some part in this uh, podcast episode. But the... Words. The faults, there we go, are... You can enjoy that one. The faults are completely overshadowed in the end by what makes the episode so great. Sorry, the series so great. And it's the animation. Yes, it's bad at some points, but other points it reaches record-breaking heights for Dragon Ball. The fights are sometimes lackluster, but other times they are some of the best fights you're ever going to see. right? And the character moments, yes, they're terrible for Goku at times, but other characters like Frieza... Vegeta especially, even Gohan gets his own little mini arc where he stops, where he starts fighting again and regains some of that power he had at the end of Z in the Boo arc. And it's moments like that that really do, really do make the series good. So the final judgment is Dragon Ball Super, you have not failed. However, you're not as good as Z. And that is, that is sort of the caveat at the end of that. 
Super is brilliant. I'd recommend watching it. And whilst, yes, it is a lot shorter than Dragon Ball Z, so it's easier to access as well, that does not change my mind that Dragon Ball Z is the superior of the Dragon Ball series in that regard. And uh, I do love Z a lot, and it will be getting getting its own episode. But just because it's inferior to Z does not mean Dragon Ball Super is bad. And I do think people should give it a try if they think Dragon Ball Z is too long, because it's like 273-odd episodes. Um and Super is a very good series, so please do give it a watch because, no, it hasn't failed at all, even though it does have some, a few negatives along the way because nothing nothing can be completely perfect. And uh, that just about wraps up the episode. So thank you so much for tuning in to listen to me again, everyone. I uh, do appreciate the support of everyone who listens to me week in, week out. And I'm glad that I am keeping you somewhat entertained with these Uh, weekly podcasts if you do enjoy please do share with other people you think will enjoy and please do join the discord follow me on twitter follow the show on twitter follow me on youtube as well why not and uh yeah please do keep supporting the show i do really appreciate it and uh i'll speak to you next week guys